Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Kowski Cast. I'm Mary Kwiatkowski. And I'm Hannah Elam. And today we are getting spooky in September and continuing our coverage of Netflix's original The Haunting of Hill House. We're taking a look back at season one to talk about all of our favorite moments. Today, we're diving right in with the third episode from the series, Touch. The first two episodes, I feel like, were really centered a lot more around death in particular and Nell's death and, like, Shirley's experience with death as a child. But this episode is, like, a really direct, solely one character deep dive into the whole history of Theo, which I know I mentioned in the last couple episodes, like, we didn't get very much Theo and we finally, I mean, basically the whole episode was about her. Yeah, and when I was first watching this, the child actress who plays Theo is actually in a couple of other films, like one of them is gifted with Chris Evans, Mm. who's, you know, Captain America, famously. She in general is just very impressive. And I think that Theo specifically has maybe the most complicated childhood, just in in the sense of what she she deals with and and her sensitivity, as her mom calls it. So I, I definitely feel like this was an interesting episode when we're diving in and that I could kind of get a lot of that from from the actress who plays young Theo. Yeah, she definitely has a more stoic part. I mean, I would say actually a lot of the children, the three girls in particular, are even Nell, who is probably the most bubbly out of the three, they all are very good at playing scared or sort of subdued as children. Like we saw that with Shirley some, and we saw that obviously with Nell in the first episode with the broke neck lady. So, and we get that even more with Theo. She seems, while she's the middle child, seems in some way to be the oldest just because she's kind of, this might be a weird reference, but she reminds me some of the character, uh, do you know the actress who plays Wednesday Adams in the Adams Family? Christina Ricci? Yeah, she reminds me of Christina Ricci's character from Now and Then in some ways where she's like a little bit sort of tomboyish, but a little bit, seems the least scared, but because she's just kind of stoic. Yeah, I don't really know how to explain it, but like she did a lot of things in this episode that I, I know at least I as a child would not have been brave enough to do. If, if I heard a loud noise, I'm not investigating. If I found a, a ladder, I'm not climbing down it when my brother was already scared in that area. So we definitely really dive into her as a character and the stuff she goes in. I think it's interesting you talk about like what she experienced as a child because so far we've seen Nellie directly had some pretty, pretty obvious encounters with like ghosts or something that was not 100% normal. But Theo has like some kind of, you're saying sensitivity and I know that's the word in these in the show, but she basically seems to have like a superpower kind of where she can sense or see or understand things and people by touching them. It kind of seems surprising that she has been continuing this life as an adult, like assuming that there really weren't ghosts in the house. Like maybe, I mean, we, we haven't heard her directly answer that question, but we hear her say that Steve gets a lot wrong with his book. So I just think it's interesting that she has experienced something that's also definitely supernatural natural kind of, but like still doesn't seem to be 100% on board with the idea that something else might have happened and wasn't just a straight up suicide for her mom. Yeah, maybe there's something with her her powers that she has that it's harder for her to separate what other people are seeing versus what is unique to her. Another interesting aspect of this episode is that we don't fully understand what's happening with her powers. We get one time, actually there's two instances where we actually see visions, 
But a lot of times we're just seeing her reaction to right. when she's feeling objects or touching people and, and she has a deep understanding. So as the audience, we don't truly understand exactly what she experiences, which is interesting to one one aspect, but maybe that makes it harder for her to separate what she's seeing and what's real. Right. Yeah, definitely. So you mentioned it already here and we can get into more detail later, but that we do see many instances throughout this episode, both in the past and the presence of her touching objects or people being able to see something about them. We see it with the the children that she's a, looks like a child psychologist and that she can either read or not read in one of the cases because she says that the, the, the main girl in this episode, uh, who is a foster child who seems to be having some behavioral issues and claims that there is a person or creature named Mr. Smiley who is sort of haunting her at her house and that he lives under the house. But when Theo touches her, isn't really able to gain anything more than that and says that the child has like built up brick walls around her to to keep herself safe and, and to not let other people in, which obviously we also see is something that Theo herself does with not really communicating well with her sister or with the girl that she is seeing, who by the end of the episode, she does open up to more so. So hopefully some of these walls are coming down. So that's kind of like the main plot point that's going on in, in the present. But we also see her touch a lot of things in the past when she's younger and then is later gifted gloves by her, her mother to make her not not have to feel all the time. We know that Theo's big on boundaries, and in this episode, we find out why. Theo's now a psychologist. She actually got her PhD with money from Steve's royalties, which is a bit of a tense subject among the other siblings. And now she's helping children through their challenges, and specifically, as Mary alluded to, she's helping this young girl, Kelsey. What did you think of the whole storyline we got here with Kelsey? Because obviously, it was a a horrifying story of this foster child whose foster father Father is molesting her and that the child in order to cope with that has created this idea of a monster in her head named Mr. Smiley who is also helped to be visualized by wood grain patterns on the ceiling above the couch that's in the basement that when Theo goes to the house and lays down on she can see that image above her and Theo uses this ability of hers both by shaking hands with the father and also going down into the basement to then have him arrested I assume. We see some cops take him away at the end of the episode. So I wonder, like, is this something that maybe she's done before? Or is it more just, was this a special case? And she, you know, uses her ability more so to just kind of help see what's in a a child's mind to to communicate with them. So she calls somebody and signifies them that the police should be called and protective child protective services should also be called. She mentions, have I ever been wrong before? So it definitely seems like something she's done previously. It's such a terrible thing to happen, um, especially with people who are already in not so great situations, like being in the foster care system initially. So it's a very heavy subject to be taking on. And we can kind of see the emotional toll it's going to take on Theo for the the rest of the episode as well, coupled with her relationship with her sister. Exactly. And so that's something that's very interesting to me, right? Because she touches the objects, she maybe gets some visions, but then she's also going through potentially what these other people 
or the objects have gone through because we see her reaction when she touches this couch and is laying there and and she is doing like a, a movement and is very frightened and so I just I can't imagine going through life with this power. It seems like more so than she's not just seeing what maybe happened but also experiencing it or feeling it emotionally as well. Exactly. And then it's specifically with this instance, right, we're seeing, I think we kind of see why she went into psychology to help children, right? Because she knows maybe they're not as good with expressing their emotions. So because of her gift, she's able to more easily just get straight to the point of what's concerning children. Right. At first I was thinking, because I I think I had seen some of this episode before my rewatch now, and I, I think in the back of my mind, I thought it was like, oh, she can like read minds or something when she touches it. But I don't even think it's really just reading minds. I think it's more like being able to read emotions or or sense. It's like seems more broad, less specific kind of because so in the past, which we also get back when the children are living in Hill House, she's touching a lot of things and she'll say stuff like, oh, this is a book of secrets. And then it's a it's a ledger that was, you know, for a bootlegging operation. It doesn't seem like she necessarily knew exactly what was going to be in it, but she knew the um, the emotional significance of the thing more so than she actually knew what it was. There's a bed and she touches on it and she's like, oh, this is a sick bed. So right. she knows about what's going on or at least emotions that are felt maybe. Right. And that's definitely what I grabbed on too. It was so confusing because a lot of the episode we see her feeling these emotions or sensing emotions. You know, when Mrs. Dudley touches her, she says she's scared or she's she has fear. But then there's that one scene where we see her look at her mom and her mom's face is completely disfigured, obliterated almost. And it's very strange. And that's where I got confused because it's like she's seeing these visions as well. It's not just the emotional aspect of it. Right. And so maybe some of it is that she's being able to see a deeper meaning behind it, you know, because I'm assuming that there's there's some question, I think, in this episode of how long has she had this ability? Did it start? Is it triggered by Hill House? Or is it triggered like her mom seems to think more so like, oh, well, your grandmother had it and, and I have sensitivity and some, you know, some of your other siblings do, even though they seem to be maybe a little more subtle than, than Theo's. So it seems like this is maybe something that's in the blood, but it also seems like the first we see of this particular ability of hers is the beginning of the episode where she's a child in Hill House and is sleeping and a an arm is sort of in bed with her and she's holding its hand and she thinks that it's Nell who is having a nightmare and then she turns around and there's no one there, which is very similar to what we saw from the father, I believe, in episode one. So I, I think that, you know, part of me was thinking maybe is it that that, that whatever that creature was or whatever that vision was that touched her, did it transfer some of this ability to her or something like that? Is that what started everything? That's an interesting aspect. I think because when I first see this, I just see that as another possible ghost that's around Mm -hmm. Hill House and is interacting with Theo specifically. What's good to consider though is that when we're seeing this episode, it's not necessarily beginning of what we see in the beginning isn't necessarily the first event that happens, right? Because we jump around the timeline. So maybe she finds this wine bottle before she's ever touched by this ghost. But I think that's also an interesting thing to consider as a possibility because she feels cold all the time in the house, right? And so what's cold? Death is cold. And so someone giving her this connection to the other side from the house. Now here's my sort of hypothesis that I'm working through and I don't want you to answer because obviously you've seen the show and I'm (laughs) still making guesses because now we are are in uncharted territory 
for me, everything from this point on is fresh eyes. I'm trying to work out basically whether or not I think that the haunting that's going on here is is it related to the family or is it related to Hill House or is it a combination of both? Was the family already, whether it be clairvoyant or sensitive or whatever, before coming to Hill House and that just sort of brought things out of them combined with whatever ghosts are there? Or were the ghosts awakened because this very sensitive family came there? Or, you know, I'm trying to figure out sort of chicken and egg, which one came first, because it seems like the mom has already had, you know, these headaches and these firestorm things behind her eyes. Like she's had these or I think she said fireworks. Color storms. Color storms. That's what it is. Color storms. She's had these before coming to the house, but we've also seen, you know, in this episode, like Theo's sensitivity did not end after she left the house. And uh, uh, in the previous episode, Shirley saw her, you know, a vision of her mother in the morgue and that wasn't in the house. So is it, are the ghosts, you know, they're clearly not confined just to the house, but are they more associated with the family? What is it exactly? And Nell's ghost in episode one. So there's, there's a lot I'm trying to work out here. I'm trying to guess, like, are we gonna, you know, find out in the end that Hill House wasn't actually haunted. It's the family that's haunted and just the the circumstance was was brought about there. So there's a lot that I'm going into through my thought process. One of the other visions, right, that I've alluded to that we see is when her dad touches her on the last night. He's grabbing her arm and they, they want to get out to the car. And we see a lot of different flashes going on here, right? So what I what I noted down was we see a stone face that almost looks similar to the face that we see Nell have at the end of the first episode. We see someone knocking items off a table, Nell screaming, Daddy, in response to that, a girl in a blue dress with short blonde hair at the bottom of the spiral staircase. There's a skeleton and the dad comes through a door and he knocks the mom into a wall. And so I'm really interested to know, did you go through and like- Yes, I paused on every single one of those moments. I did. <laughs> I watched it twice and then I went back and paused. So yeah, I have all that same stuff. Um, the, the, the statue, the first thing I noted is, much like you said, it did look a lot like like Nell's sort of face at the end of, or Nell's ghost's face at the end of the first episode. It was smiling and then its eyes sort of roll. So it's it's moving. It's a statue that's kind of creepily smiling. And that also made me think, obviously, of the other statues that we saw in the house in this episode. There's a point when Mrs. Dudley and Mrs. Crane and Theo are in this room and Mrs. Crane is saying that she feels cold in just one spot in the room and there's a bunch of statues. And so made me think of that. And then the Nellie screaming at her father as he knocks over a tea set seems like maybe he lost control in some way, whether it be of his limbs or is there something else in the room that no one can see? We're not sure on that. The first time I watched this sequence, the shortest clip is the blonde girl in the blue dress sitting at the bottom of the stairs. It's like for like a second. When I first saw it, I thought it was Luke at first because he wore blue a lot of the episode. He has blonde hair, you know, is about the same age. One thing I noted when I paused it on that one was not only was the girl sitting at the spiral staircase sort of looking through the bars like a prison was there were cobwebs everywhere and it it didn't look like modern day clean Hill House. The skeleton similarly looked like it was in maybe the basement or something. It looked dirty and not like it was in a new house. The mother is screaming stop as the dad pushes her into a wall and then at the end of all this Theo yells don't touch me, don't touch me which of course transitions to the present day time where she is finally letting down some of her walls and telling Trish to touch her. So there were I noted that that was something about this 
this episode, there were a lot of really good transitions between the past and the present. Theo eating an apple, the opening and closing of doors, picking up a glass of water and drinking it, going to sleep and rolling over in bed. Almost every time they went back and forth was a very seamless transition. So I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it definitely makes the connection just a lot easier and you're like, oh, okay, now we're in the present. You know, I it's, it's again one of those things that we pointed out in the first episode that I really enjoyed about this show. And so to see them continue it is very exciting. And all of these visions that we're getting from Theo when she's touching her father or when her father is grabbing her arm at the and trying to get her to go to the car, these are cl- taking place, I'm guessing some of these things at least, are taking place on the, the last night was my interpretation of this, even though I mentioned it, it seems like it's not necessarily in the same time. So I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. But with the, with the Nell and the tea set and the dad and the mom screaming, those things seem to be happening right around the same time. And we heard in this episode that Theo is telling Steve that he got a lot of stuff wrong in his book because he was asleep for like 90% of the events that happened that night. And it, it almost seems like we've gotten Steve's version, which was being woken up, running down the hall, going to, going to the car. We skipped over Shirley. We don't know what hers is yet, but now we're sort of going in reverse order of the oldest to youngest kids. And I'm also sort of getting the feeling from these episodes that seems like the older kids experienced less, like Steve experienced the fewest amount of ghosts, maybe then Shirley, then Theo, then Luke, then Nell. Like that's kind of how I'm how I'm thinking it might be going just because we've seen Nellie experience the most so far. But it also, my guess is that the younger children were maybe active or awake in mo- more of the events from this night because just based on the fact that Steve didn't, didn't experience much and so far it doesn't look like Theo experienced very much either, assuming that she actually did go to the car right after that point. But curious to see, we're, we're getting more gaps filled in, but I need some more. <laughs> yeah, I wonder too if some of this as far as the younger kids seeing more ghosts is if they're just more accepting or curious about what they're seeing versus Mm -hmm. the older kids while still wanting to logic out some things not noticing as much yeah that that could be true i mean you're when you're younger you're you're more curious more likely to believe the things you see less likely to try and logic your way out of it so that's definitely possible another thing i wanted to note was in one of the scenes from the past where the mom i think it's the one where she gives Theo the the gloves. She explains to her, I I love the conversation they have talking about how she's sensitive, what that might mean, because her mom, it's like she's, she's treating her more like an adult, less like a child. She doesn't say, first off, she believes her, but she also doesn't really, she doesn't really pry too much. She doesn't really ask very many questions. She sort of says like, hey, I understand that you're sensitive. So am I. Here are some gloves that may help. You know, we're a special family. Or my mother had this, did like the shout out to Grandma Mary. Thank you for that. <laughs> but she doesn't say like, explain to me exactly what happens when you touch things. You know, she didn't She didn't really ask very many questions. I was getting some Game of Thrones throwbacks here. I know you haven't seen Game of Thrones, but for those listening who have with her mom saying, we'll talk about this more when you get older. And then we as the audience know they're not going to be able to talk about it more because the mother's going to pass away before we get to that spot. Plus the fact that the music playing in the background of this scene that which is the main theme from Haunting of Hill House has a very similar riff to one of the songs from Game of Thrones. I'll, I'll plug that in and post into the podcast so people can hear what I'm saying. It's like there's a particular song from Game of Thrones that's the, one of the Stark themes that sounds very similar to the, the music from Haunting of Hill House. So here is the Haunting of Hill House music. 
And here is a little bit of one of the Stark family theme songs from Game of Thrones, the song Goodbye Brother. In particular, you can see these two riffs, I'll play them back to back, are very similar. It's got the same riff, so I was getting throwbacks there. I think it's nice that the mom is understanding, but it's also frustrating as a viewer because you want her to ask more questions because you want to know more about what's going on. So while she intuits a lot of what's going on with Theo, you know, it leaves you wanting like, no, ask her what's going on and try to figure out more about what's happening with her. And Theo, talk to your mom about what's happening so that, you know, we can know. Because you're not going to have the chance and we need to know. Yeah, (laughs) there is a lot of that. I also started to come up with some sort of hypotheses for things. which is, I mean, this episode's called Touch. And I started thinking about the fact that there's five children and there's five senses. There's a couple things I just noted in this episode, which is that like Luke, when he goes into the room where they find the phone, inter inter house phone system, I'm not really sure what to call that. And it's the room with the bed that, that Theo touches and says that was a sick bed. Right when they walk into that room, Luke says that it smells bad in there, but no one else can smell it. So I was thinking, okay, maybe he's associated with smell. And then Nellie, it says that when she moved in the house, she said it was loud. And so I was thinking maybe she's associated with hearing. And then surely we've known, the mother says like, oh, she says things that's in her sleep. So I'm not really sure. Haven't got that one yet. I'm not 100% sure if that's like, I mean, speaking is not really a, one of the five senses. I don't know. Well, we've got it seeing and tasting are the two that we have left. So I don't know. But between Shirley and, and Steve, I still haven't figured that out yet. But I'm getting there. I'm just collecting thoughts as we're going. <laughs> well, we're also only in the third episode. So maybe you'll get some more clues as we go later on. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking about it. That's a lot about the past. And so in the present, we see Theo mostly contemplating Kelsey's case. And then also we're seeing about her reaction to Nell's death. And while Shirley was mad at Steve, Theo is mad at Nell for her death by suicide because she, she should know more about what that does to a family. And we also see that Theo connects Kelsey to Nellie because they both wanted help, but no one was listening to them. The young girl, Kelsey, Theo says, reminds her of Nell because they're both kids who experienced something difficult and then just just wanted someone to to hear them and to, to identify with them. Now, we also see Theo go down into the morgue and touch Nellie and then start screaming and crying. So I'm not 100% sure what she saw there, but that's obviously something to think about. Just a sort of miscellaneous highlight that I noted here was Theo appears to have already 
already known about Kevin's, Shirley's husband's checkbook and whatever the deal with that is because she she tells Kevin in this episode like, hey, just so you know, Shirley found the checkbook. You might want to come up with some kind of excuse. She mentions like having a second family or a mistress because those are going to be not as bad as whatever the real thing is. So still very curious about what the, the what the real thing is. Do you have any guesses? I, I mean, the most I could think of would be that he's like, I mean, a checkbook would think that he's paying money for something. So unless it's like he's, I I, I don't know. I, the only thing I could think of that'd be worse would be, it would have to be something that's like crushing her, her dream. Could it be, oh wait, you know what it might be? Okay, now I'm thinking, I, I didn't think about this until just now. It could be, did he have to make a whole, a whole nother account to maybe, did he accept the money from Steve's book that Shirley didn't want to accept? Okay, I don't know. That's, that's what I was thinking. Maybe. Well, maybe we'll find out later on. You know, maybe I don't we'll know. we'll find out. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. Because I was thinking, I was like, it's got to be something that like Shirley's going to be really upset about. So I'm like, maybe it has to do with her business. This is like wild. Thought. Like maybe he's, maybe she doesn't really have people who want to <laughs> come, but he's just paying people off to make her feel useful. But I'm like, why? That would be weird. Like where he's, where is he going to have money from? So it makes more sense that the negative thing would be that he's receiving money as opposed to sending the money. And okay, so we'll come back to that. But that's, yeah. that's some thoughts. Another thing that we see in this episode is about Nell's wedding, right? So yes. we, we know a little bit about that Luke's not there, but we see that the rest of the siblings are there. And we also see a glimpse of Nell's husband. And so I think it was just, again, one of those where we're getting a little bit, a little, little pieces of the puzzle and each of the episodes. Yes. And I didn't catch his name in this episode. I'm not sure if it was said. Yeah, I don't know that they share it. I don't know that they shared it, but we see her husband. And I think most of the point of this scene appeared to be more so that we could just get to know Theo better. It seems like she also obviously has kept some emotional things hidden from herself and that her family didn't know that she was interested in girls until this wedding moment, apparently. That's kind of, it's kind of played for laughs here, like a tiny bit of humor with the the bridesmaid leaving the bedroom and they're trying to guess which groomsman is in there and then Theo comes out. It's pretty interesting. Well, it also, in a way, calls back to the first episode, right, where we see Shirley describing Theo as a frat guy or worse than a frat guy. And so you just think, think of that again, especially because Steve and Nell are kind of thinking of who could it be and, and making assumptions there. Right. So so that happens. Do you have anything else you want to highlight? I mean, there's there's some things we can get into more just broadly when we talk about the potential ghosts from this episode, because there's some other things there. But overall, I was very grateful to the episode for, for <laughs> clearing up some things about Theo, because she's the character that I felt we got the least about in the first two episodes. For sure. Yeah, I, I think we've covered everything uh, from the overview of the episode. So let's hop right in with a would you rather. Oh, gosh, it's gonna be something creepy. Put it this way, whichever option does not lead me to going down into a basement. (laughs) (laughs) So it's actually about more of the power. So would you rather have Theo's sensitivity of touch or um, I called her Olivia. It's the mom, right? I don't really know how we want to refer to her because a lot of the kids refer to her as mom. (laughs) Yeah. Olivia's color storms. I mean, I don't, I wouldn't want the headaches, but I think unless I was going to do what Theo does and just wear gloves all the time, I could imagine how it would get very tiresome and, and hard on you to be experiencing all of this, whether it be emotions or history or insight or whatever she's she's getting. So I think I'm going to go with the color storms just because I do already get migraine auras and I do already have Alice in Wonderland syndrome, which is similar. So I, I feel like I, I'm just going to take that. <laughs> kind of an easy cop out for me. <laughs> we don't have any additional deaths. So we're still at eight total and those kittens, you know, really racked up our total last time. What did you think 
think was the funniest. And I also kind of included most lighthearted because my option wasn't necessarily hilarious, but I just enjoyed this moment. Yeah, I do think that probably the most lighthearted moment was when Theo came out of the the bedroom at the wedding or whatever that room was at the wedding. And and just it's like a sweet moment where she gets a hug from Nell and from Steve. And and I like her line there is funny when they say, oh, we didn't know you were into bridesmaids. (laughs) I liked that. My other favorite line from her was when she's collecting the money from Steve and he's like, oh, are you going to go travel or buy some purses or a car? And she's like, nah, I'm going to get my effing PhD. (laughs) So that was a good one too. Yeah, my vote was for when she talks about going to get her education because it's just like a feel good moment. You're like, yeah. Yeah, boss, you go, you go do it, girl. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, get it done. So that that was my my favorite part or, you know, the the funniest or lighthearted part. What was your option for scariest in this episode? I, I think that we're definitely getting into a little bit more intense on the scary aspects. Yeah, for me, the scariest was in the in the flashback in the past when Luke goes down in the dumbwaiter and he sees some sort of skeleton creature monster guy coming at him, mostly just because this was probably the longest shot we get a several seconds of just staring at the thing crawling towards him while he's screaming. So for me, that was probably the most one because you, you have not just this vision, but it's combined with the claustrophobic feel of he's stuck down in this dumbwaiter and he's a little kid and doesn't know how to get up. So that was that was mine. What about you? Yeah, I had that as an option. And then when we see Theo's vision of her mom, which is very disturbing, but I definitely agree that Luke's experience in the basement is claustrophobic, creepy. And then also it's just a, a brand new item, right? I, I think that previously we've seen ghosts that maybe interact slightly, but this creature, whatever it is, actually comes out, touches Luke, rips his pajamas. And so that is a very traumatizing experience. It certainly seems more aggressive and unlike the bent neck lady, which seems to just kind of creep on Nell and, and stand over her, which would be scary, but doesn't actually appear to be harming her. So yes, I uh, I think this is kind of, if I had to take one or the other, I'd probably take the bent neck lady over whatever that thing was in the basement. Yeah, I, I think that one's more of an easier <laughs> choice. Yeah. For me, that might be, maybe I'm more used to it. I, I do feel like some of the shots from the first episode scared me more just because it was the first time I was watching the show and it was the first episode, but I do feel like this might be just the the most horrifying visual that we've had so far. This, or like you said, the mother with sort of half of her face kind of blown off, it looks like, right. and covered in blood. That's pretty, that's pretty intense too. Yeah. So this episode, we see a couple of possible ghosts that we've alluded to already. The whatever it is that crawls into bed with Theo and, and, and is holding her hand, the zombie-like creature in the basement. And then we also see Theo get haunted somewhat by a smiley masked person at the end of her bed when she's sleeping. It's similar to Shirley's experience when she sees her mom or in the morgue where it's a very quick second and then she looks and it's gone. So it seems like you said this may be something that is following these, the children of the Crane house. Yeah, this one's interesting because it seems like she has basically implanted this idea in her head from communicating through touch with Kelsey, the young girl. Maybe this is like the idea of what the girl had in her mind and then she's seeing him or is this a real creature? We all know, you know. To me, that, and I also went back and, and paused on that face because that is another horrifying visual. It's it's quicker than the guy in the basement, but it is very creepy. This almost like Slenderman looking kind of, if you go back and pause on the, the visual, you can see 
see how his eyes and mouth do have that sort of wood grain swirly kind of quality to them that we're going to later see on the ceiling. This and the Nell seeing her mom, it's like, are they just hallucinating? Is this a real character? I mean, sorry, with, with Shirley seeing her yeah. mom. Are they hallucinating? It comes across a little different than when we see Shirley have the vision of the, the normal looking man who's just sitting on their couch raising a, a drink because that that one seems more, I guess what you would like typically think of as a ghost of like, oh, it's just a vision of maybe a dead person or whatever, but they're doing something normal. They're not harming. It almost looks more like a flashback. Like I'm thinking of something, but that one felt out of place because it was daytime. There were other people in the room talking to her. These two with the being in the morgue and this, they're both happening at night when they're tired. Maybe they're just sort of imagining it. Maybe they're, you know, fell asleep for a second. Not really sure. So I guess I'm curious to see if Mr. Smiley comes back at all in any other kind of form or if this was just a device to to show maybe what Kelsey had sort of put in her imagination. Yeah, it's hard to tell at this point. To me, it is similar to the Scarecrow from the Batman Begins series, which is the Christopher Nolan Mm -hmm. uh, series for for Batman. And I remember seeing this, I think I was in fifth grade when it came out and I saw it in theaters. And I don't think that I was quite expecting it from Batman because the ones that I had seen had been a little bit more lighthearted. I went and saw it with a friend's family. And so I didn't have my parents. And so I wasn't very comforted when we were there. And I ended up like watching some, it was at like a cinema cafe, which is where they'll bring food out to you. Mm -hmm. So I ducked underneath the bar that was, that I was sitting at the table. And I remember just being terrified. And and even to this day, like I still don't really watch that movie, that, that one of the, of the series. And I love the other two films just because I just have such bad memories associated with it. So if that, if that sort of thing, I I could see where, (laughs) where that sort of mask could definitely haunt somebody. (laughs) So in this episode, we have a couple of strange happenings. And again, we've hit on a bunch of them where the mom's feeling cold in the one spot. Luke has the smell when he goes into the bedroom. One that we haven't talked about is when Theo is dancing, we see the doorknob rattle and then there's a bang. And it's hard to know, is this similar to the bangs that Theo and Shirley had earlier? Is this something else that's happening in the house? What what were your thoughts when you saw this scene? Yeah, like with the bangs on the wall, I, I do think it's just giving you this idea that this is a haunted house. It's got ghosts in it, it's got something, it's got spirits, it's got people around. Props to Theo for investigating it and then also just sort of deciding, eh, you know, it's uh, it's probably just one of my siblings goofing off or something or whatever and then just goes back to listening to her Paula Abdul and practicing her dancing. <laughs> yeah. Another strange happening that we see is the flashlight stop working in the basement and this just kind of reminds me of similar haunted house where you're trying to get a good vision of something that's happening and to me I almost correlate it to you know when you watch would I don't know if you ever watch like how or how what is it called ghost hunters I don't know what the shows are but right when people are, are hunting ghosts and trying to look at it, they're looking at the temperature changes and all these other gauges so it just makes me think of that sort of there's a spike in activity and it messes with electronics that are around but yeah I what, um what is that is that EMF or what what is that oh yeah f- frequency type stuff yeah yeah electromagnetic forces are usually like what people look for in like ghost hunting things to see if and then that's like oh have you noticed any electricity spikes or things malfunctioning and so I did notice that and also even though they're they're just old lights when Theo goes down into the basement and then turns on the lights they kind of flicker and crackle in a similar way that the that the flashlight was which is also a strange happening in itself because the fact that those light bulbs wouldn't have been burnt 
out or like all right. of them completely function is definitely not something that would happen. <laughs> and we also get a revisit from this episode, right? So we saw the mom having color storms. And in this episode, we get an explanation that these are visions that she gets and her mom had them as well. So we, we get a little bit more history, maybe a little bit more insight into what's going on with this family. Her mom does not elaborate. She's just like, oh, and the things I see or, you know, oh, the things that Shirley says. She doesn't <laughs> tell us what things. Give us examples. All we know is that there's dancing in the red room and that the pandas don't eat macaroni. I need more. So I'm so on the edge of my seat hoping that we get to fill in all these gaps, but I have a feeling that this is one of those shows where we're going to get to the end and I'm going to have like 90% of my questions answered and there's going to be 10% more that I just have to search on Reddit and see if anyone's figured out. One thing we know for sure is that season two does not revisit Hill House, right? We're getting a completely different house with different characters. So if you don't have everything answered now, you may just have to rewatch and look look harder next time. Yes, I'm glad that I <laughs> at least can pause things every two seconds, but I, I generally watch something once, get a little bit scared, have to take my headphones out, turn the volume down, <laughs> then rewind and then pause it because visuals don't really scare me. It's the sound associated with it that does. I'm a much more auditory person, which is maybe why I keep making that Game of Thrones connection. And, you know, like we've already mentioned, Steve's character being from Game of Thrones too. There's just a lot of that. That's all I had. I'm, I'm excited to go to the next one. Can't wait to see if we're going to keep going with the deep dives into the individual children in each episode. Hopefully we get some more of some of the other kids. Now we're at the point where Nell's dead. And so I don't know how much more we're going to get of her besides these like random flashbacks of her wedding and stuff. We'll see. All right, everyone. Well, feel free to send us comments and questions to our website or on Twitter at KowskiCast. That's cow with a K or our website, KowskiCast.com. Also cow with a K. You can also check out all the other podcasts on our website or on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcatcher. You can follow me online at Frail Mary, and you can follow Hannah at hannahv.exe on Instagram. And remember, if you like this podcast, please let us know with a five-star rating. And if you leave us a review, we will potentially read it on our season two because we're going through these pretty quickly. So we may not get to it before then. <laughs> but we'll definitely we'll definitely read it on some kind of podcast when, yeah. we, when we find it. All right, everyone, that's all for this week's episode. Thank you for joining us, and we'll be back next Next time for our coverage of episode four, the twin thing. Oh, twin thing. Okay, so I guess we're we're getting either <laughs> some Nell or Luke. Great. <laughs> okay. For now, we're the Kowski cast. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.